ESPN Radio. for Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, you're not getting Jimmy Garoppolo for a third-round draft. Pick. Really doesn't make sense in terms of Jimmy's contract for the Niners to keep him on the roster. ESPN Radio. You're listening to ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and ESPN+. Plus. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. I'm Amber Wilson. He's Chris Canty. You can tweet to us at Chris Canty 99 at Amber W790. You can also join the conversation on the Canty call-in line, 1-888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. We are asking you, with Carolina now reportedly out of the running, what should the Browns do with Baker Mayfield? But Baker Mayfield's not the only quarterback, Chris, that is suffering right now from a shrinking quarterback market in terms of potential destinations. Jimmy Garoppolo also has yet to be moved by the San Francisco 49ers and the landing spots for him are shrinking. Now, I don't think we've seen a report whether Carolina's in or out on Jimmy Garoppolo. We know Seattle probably is looking for another quarterback, although they did get Drew Locke in that Russell Wilson trade. And now, according to Mike Florio, the San Francisco 49ers general manager, John Lynch, is telling interested teams that they have an offer of two second-round picks for Jimmy Garoppolo on the table. And Chris Canty... If the 49ers have an offer for two second rounders for Jimmy G on the table and they haven't moved him, I have no idea what John Lynch is doing in San Francisco. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. The only way that you can rationalize it is if the two second round picks are coming from the Seattle Seahawks, a division rival. And I can I can understand the trepidation that the 49ers brass would have with trading Jimmy G in the division and trying to help out the Seattle Seahawks. Even though you're getting the two second-round picks, you don't want to gift-wrap a quarterback that you know is more than capable in comparison to the other quarterbacks that are in the quarterback marketplace as we currently speak. So I I, I, I don't see somebody willing to cough up two second-round picks for Jimmy G because of the injury history and knowing that he had sur- surgery on his throwing shoulder this offseason and it's going to take him a while to recover. To invest two second-round picks when we just saw Matt Ryan go for a third-round pick to the Indianapolis Colts, that seems a little bit rich uh, if you're the San Francisco 49ers. But the only way that they have an offer for two second-round picks and John Lynch hasn't pulled the trigger on that deal is if it's the Seattle Seahawks, a team in the division that's in the hunt for a quarterback. Okay, that makes sense. I can maybe buy into that because obviously the 49ers absolutely do not want to trade him in the division. So I guess Seattle might come to them and say, hey, we're going to sweeten the pot. This is by far the best deal you're going to get because we know you don't want to trade him in the division. And and it's not completely unheard of. You know, we've seen Donovan McNabb and Drew Bledsoe. There have been quarterbacks before traded within their own division. But yes, obviously that would require a different level in terms of draft compensation than trading him outside the division. And that's an interesting one. If you're San Francisco, then I I still think that maybe I do it. Is that crazy to say? Because it's got to be. I mean, what is the asking price right now? Not the asking price, I guess. What do you think people would be willing to? Because, listen, the asking price is probably like, you know, a first rounder. But what, what do you think people would be actually willing to give up for Jimmy Garoppolo? I can't imagine it's 
anywhere near a second rounder. Nevertheless, two second rounders. Yeah, I'm with you. I think it's a mid-round draft pick, and I would probably lean toward that Matt Ryan territory, a third-round pick. That makes sense. And I wouldn't be surprised if a team wanted to tie some conditions to that pick based on play time percentage, the number of snaps that Jimmy G actually takes. Because, again, we are talking about a player with an extensive injury history. How how many seasons are we talking about with Garoppolo staying healthy for the entirety of that season? The one they went to the Super Bowl? That's probably the only season that Jimmy G has stayed healthy the entire year. So, yeah, I, I I would gather to say that, you know, based on the marketplace and teams already having an option at quarterback that they feel comfortable with outside of Seattle, that you're probably not going to be able to get the second round pick that you traded to New England in order to get Garoppolo in the first place. It's not in that territory unless you're talking about the Seattle Seahawks who seem desperate for a quarterback. But again, I don't know how desperate Seattle is because it doesn't sound like they're knocking down Baker Mayfield's door right now. So maybe it's a situation where you consider doing it because if you look at San Francisco – they traded the three first-round picks for Trey Lance, so they're out without a first-round pick for 2022 and for the 2023 draft. It would make sense to add some second-round picks in there to find ways to add talent at controllable costs through the draft. So I, I, I think I'm leaning towards your position too, Amber. I would actually pull the trigger on this deal if I'm John Lynch and trade Jimmy Garoppolo to the Seattle Seahawks. You're talking about, what, one year? under contract now with where yeah, are we for with 27 Jimmy Garoppolo for 27 right is yeah. his cap hit right now so it's a much bigger cap hit than Baker when we were having the Baker conversation you were telling me that we're at a point now where teams aren't going to be able to structure an 18.8 million dollar cap hit with Baker so how are they then going to afford 27 million for Jimmy Garoppolo now I know again you can move pieces around and Seattle has some cap space and they'll be able to move pieces around for either of these guys if they're interested mm-hmm. but is Jimmy Garoppolo that much better than Baker Mayfield? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, his, the contract's guy, a lot, his contract's worse for this one year anyway. Yeah, but, I mean, the guy has played in multiple conference championship games. He's gotten to a Super Bowl. He, he's done more winning in the postseason than Baker Mayfield has. So, I think off of that alone, you have to give him the nod. And let's also keep this in mind, Amber. When the San Francisco 49ers traded for Jimmy Garoppolo, that team was a wreck. I want to say they were a one- or two-win team when they traded for Jimmy G back in 2017, and Jimmy G won five straight games to end that season. So it wasn't like it was a good football team, but Jimmy Garoppolo stepped in, and all of a sudden they started winning games. It took Baker Mayfield a while before we're talking about the the Cleveland Browns becoming a playoff team. Now, I get it. It's different circumstances. The 49ers are far more functional than the Cleveland Browns have demonstrated over the course of the last decade. But I I think we have to acknowledge that there is a little bit of that, you know, it factor when it comes to Jimmy G. And although it doesn't always look pretty, this is a guy that's a proven winner. I mean, so I think that's the thing over the course of the last four or five seasons, we've seen enough of a sample size to recognize that Jimmy Garoppolo is a top half of the league quarterback. Now, he's probably somewhere in the teens, but I still think he's a quarterback that you can win with, clearly, with taking San Francisco to the Super Bowl three years ago. 
I don't know how to evaluate Baker yet, but I'll give you that. I'm always been higher on the Jimmy G than the narrative just because of the success he has had. I think the problem with Jimmy G is his durability and it is a big problem. So I can understand trepidation around Jimmy G. I do wonder, does the asking price, do you think get better than two second rounders? If you wait into the season, because unlike the Baker situation where I'm arguing with you that there's no way the Browns can maintain Baker on their roster. I do think with Jimmy G that you don't have as much of a problem. If you needed to take your time with this, it's kind of already been that situation where we all knew that that franchise was going to be turned over to Trey Lance anyways. Now I don't think you want to take much time because listen, if you're going to turn it over to Trey Lance, you need to go ahead and get yourself turning it over to Trey Lance to help his development. But I don't think that there's as much controversy around Jimmy Garoppolo being on that team for longer. So if you were to take your time and you talk about a quarterback getting injured during the season or even training camp, if you're bringing somebody in, do you think the market gets better though than two second rounders? Cause I'm not even at that sure at that point, frankly, it does. No, I don't think it does. I don't think it gets better. And I would disagree with you on that one. I would argue because you have Trey Lance and you want it to be his team you probably need to move off of Garoppolo sooner rather than later, at least with the Baker situation. If you know he's not going to be a part of your plans at the quarterback position this year, as the Browns do, because they have two quarterbacks ahead of him on the depth chart, you can always tell him to stay away from the team until they're able to strike a deal with somebody else and trade him. You always have that option available to you. But with the San Francisco 49ers, just knowing how locker room dynamics work, if you're going to turn the team over to Trey Lance, turn it over to him now. Let him get all of the reps for the, with the first team throughout OTAs, throughout minicamp, throughout training camp, all of those things so he can make sure that he can establish himself in that huddle with the other 10 guys and it can be his offense and it can be his team. So I think the sooner they move off of Garoppolo, the better it is for Trey Lance. Not to say that the two can't coexist together. That, that's not the issue and that's proven itself out over the 2021 season, I think the biggest issue is making sure that Trey Lance understands that this is his team and he doesn't have to look over his shoulder and he doesn't have to worry about whether or not the guys will follow his leadership. So if you got two twos on the table, even if it's against the division, even if you're talking about getting it from a division rival, you have to take that deal if you're John Lynch. So Chris Canty thinks that you should move on immediately from Jimmy Garoppolo, but be a little bit more patient with Baker Mayfield. And we're asking you, with Carolina reportedly now out of the running, what should the Browns do with Baker Mayfield? Nick in Chicago, Bob in Iowa, we see you. We'll get to your calls. You can hit us up, 888-SAY-ESPN. Coming up next, with Damian Lillard being shut down and Zion Williamson unlikely to play this season, which superstar is in a cha- it needs a change of scenery more? That's next. This is ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. I've been asking you to join the conversation on the Canty call in line at triple eight, say ESPN with Carolina reportedly not interested in Baker Mayfield. What should the Browns do with Baker? Let's turn our attention to the call in line. Nick is in Chicago. Nick, what's up? What should the Browns do with Baker? Browns should keep him. I mean, what else are they going to do with him? Allow him to compete with Jacoby Brissett. Uh, Deshaun Watson's obviously not playing, but you know what? Let me just say one thing. Jay Cutler's the best quarterback the Chicago Bears has ever seen in a Chicago Bear jersey. Bring Baker here and let him compete with Justin Fields because we all know here in Chicago that he's not the truth. But if he is, let Baker get his butt beat because that line still needs fixing. Come on. Nah, Nick, I can't rock with you on that one, man. There's no way if you're the Chicago Bears – 
you're going to bring in Baker Mayfield when you're trying to develop Justin Fields. And they got a new head coach in Matt Eberflus. Do you think you want a rookie head coach dealing with that circus of a quarterback room that would be this dynamic if you introduce Baker to that team, to that locker room? No way in hell would the Chicago Bears do that. Now, as far as where Baker is concerned, I, I'm in the camp that you should keep Baker Mayfield. Now, I don't think Baker is going to take any more snaps for the Cleveland Browns. But if you're Cleveland, Amber, I still don't see the harm in keeping him on your roster and paying him out his contract until you can build up more of a market for him and in the interim, telling him to stay the hell away from the team. That's the only way that works, telling him to stay the heck away from the team. Like, that's the only way that works because he can't be around that team. But even if he stays away from the team, Baker Mayfield is too much of a star, Chris. He would be all over social media. He'd still be all over the headlines. And I just don't think with the Browns having Deshaun Watson at the helm, they need any more of that. They don't need any help with these headlines. They don't need any more headaches than the ones they're already going to be dealing with with Deshaun Watson. They need to cut their losses, and they need to find a way to move on from Baker Mayfield. Let's turn our attention back to the call-in line. Bob, he's in Iowa. Bob, what's up? Hey, guys. How's it going? Thanks for having me on the show. Thanks for joining us. Um, Yeah, I was just going to throw in my two cents about uh, comments that have been made about Baker Mayfield and not being an adult in the room, and then you bring in a guy with 22 civil lawsuits with all these women accusing him that and, and my definition with three daughters, that's not really an adult that you're bringing into the room either. So I personally think Baker Mayfield should go to either Seattle or Tennessee. I think he's better than Tannehill. He's better than 10 or 12 starters that are starting in the league right now. Well, Bob, I think the problem in Tennessee is they don't want him. They feel like they their, their, their option at quarterback Ryan Tannehill is better than what comes along with Baker Mayfield. Now, you can argue and say who's better, whether it's Baker or Ryan Tannehill. I, 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 don't, I don't necessarily see the, the difference in what Baker would bring to the table that Ryan Tannehill doesn't already have. So that, that would be the reason why I would ask, why would you make that move? Because there is some salary cap implications if you do move on from Ryan Tannehill. So I don't, I don't think that it makes a lot of sense for the Titans to jump through those hoops. For a guy like Baker Mayfield, um, as far as Seattle's concerned, we'll see. I mean, that's a TBD situation. We know that a few weeks ago there was some interest, but because there doesn't seem to be much of a market for Baker, if you're the Seahawks, do you have to be in a rush in order to get your hands on him? Probably not. Now, as far as the leadership stuff and being an adult in the room, I'll say this. I said it before, and I'll say this again, Amber. When it comes to leading an NFL team, when it comes to relating to guys in a locker room. This is going to hurt my soul when you say this. This this is going to hurt you. I'm just telling you that there is a different form of leadership when it comes to sports versus when it comes to, you know, being a a, a good upstanding member of the community. And we understand that that's currently not the narrative around the Deshaun Watson, what I mentioned in the latter. But the former part, there's never been a question about can Deshaun lead We saw him lead Clemson to a national championship over Alabama. That's never been a question. In two of the three years where he was the starting quarterback for the Houston Texans, you're talking about them making the playoffs twice and having double-digit win seasons. It's never been a question of whether or not he can lead men on the field. You've never heard teammates say anything bad about him. We've heard that from Baker Mayfield. We've heard that from other Cleveland Browns players. 
it hasn't necessarily been the best in terms of him being able to relate to the players, being able to relate to the coach, being able to get along with the people in the front office, and that is the issue with Baker Mayfield. I tend to agree with that last caller that they're obviously saying you want to bring in an adult and then bringing in the guy with the 20, pending 22 civil suits because, listen, there are red flags from that, of course, beyond just the allegations themselves, like, you know, his decision-making, for example, that he's found himself in a position where there's now 22 pending civil actions against but him that doesn't impact, sexual but Amber, misconduct Amber. and sexual assault. That's putting it lightly, his decision-making. Like, there are Amber, but that, 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 that might you might talk about that taking him off the field, but when it comes to his decision-making on the field, that's not a question. It, does, it, does, it doesn't factor into the equation. There's never been a question about Deshaun Watson's decision-making on the field. It's never been a question about his leadership intangibles when it comes to relating to his teammates and being able to elevate the play of those around him. Those have never been questions. The only questions that we have right now are about Deshaun Watson's character outside of the arena of sports. It's not about what happens once he steps into the building or once he steps onto the football field. That has never been in question. That I understand. On the football field, it's hard to argue against Deshaun Watson and what he has shown on the football field. I still think that it's fair for people to wonder what happens then off the field and see red flags with Deshaun Watson. And again, the Browns having that information out there. I'm sure they very much regret that information getting out there that they reportedly, quote unquote, wanted an adult. And then they went ahead and traded for Deshaun Watson. You can see why the optics of that look bad. But I do understand from a football perspective why Deshaun Watson is considered a better leader on the field, even though he's not necessarily even nearly as good of a leader when we talk to when we talk about him maybe off the field Amber, or as I think, a man generally, a- right? Amber, and you're right about that, and I think it's important to to distinguish between the two. There's a difference between sports character and your personal character. Personal character is who you are in the community, who you are in your personal life, friends and family, you know, all of those things. And then there's sports character, which is who you are as a teammate, who you are in the locker room who you are on the field when it matters the most when it's on the line. And there are two different there, – there, there's difference. Like, there's a guy – Lawrence Taylor had a high sports character, but he wasn't the best in terms of personal character. You know, oh, Ray Lewis, high sports character, not necessarily the best when it comes to personal character. There is a difference when we start talking about the, the, the character of a person, a character of an athlete. Sports character is completely different than personal character. Absolutely. And there's that all over the NFL and – The reality is Deshaun Watson is the better quarterback. That's why he's on the Browns. How likely is it that we will see Ben Simmons make an impact for the Nets this season? That's coming up next. But first, Chris, tell us about Vivid Seats. With the safe return of live events, you can actually be there to catch all the action in person with Vivid Seats. That's right. Every alley-oop, every one-timer, and every sideline grab can be experienced live. And with Vivid Seats rewards, you can earn rewards like free tickets. Who doesn't love free? All you have to do is collect stamps, redeem, and repeat. It's that easy. From the upper level to courtside, Vivid Seats has you covered for all of the events that matter to you. So grab your tickets today and cheer on your favorite team from the stands. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, life happens live. You're listening to Amber Wilson and Chris Canny, ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. 
Amber Wilson and Chris Canty here on ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. We're going to talk some hoops. We hope to get Ramona Shelburne on with us in a few minutes. But, Chris, the Portland Trail Blazers officially shut down Damian Lillard for the remainder of the season. Zion Williamson seems like he's been officially shut down for the remainder of the season. It's not official. The Pelicans haven't told us. The Pelicans don't tell us a lot of things, though. I don't think we knew when he was having the surgery and fracture. Yeah, it's unofficially official that Zion Williamson is not going to play this year. It seems like we could probably feel pretty comfortable saying that, even though it's not official. Yeah, they got 11 games left. It doesn't necessarily make a whole lot of sense, right? They're right in now in the 10 spot in the Western Conference. So, technically in the play-in tournament, but even if they get into the playoffs, which they probably won't, do we really see the New Orleans Pelicans challenging the Phoenix Suns in the first round of the playoffs? Probably not. So, it just doesn't make sense to risk Zion getting hurt right now, Amber. Just you know, He set out the, the season – Allow him to sit out for the next six months to continue to get healthy, and then you'd formulate a plan for him moving forward. At least if I was running the organization, that's how I would go about it. Especially coming back from another injury. I'm sure he wouldn't be ready to go in time to actually be impactful in a play-in type situation. We turn our attention now to the guest line, Ramona Shelbourne, ESPN NBA reporter. She joins us. And Ramona... LeBron James murdered Kevin Love last night, put up a monstrous performance. And then after the game, he said that he's having the time of his life, that he doesn't listen to the narrative around his team. Now, Ramona, I would imagine that even if he's not listening to the narrative, he probably has a pretty good idea what it is since they're sitting at the ninth spot. What do you make of him saying that despite the Lakers troubles, he's having the time of his life right now? Well, I mean, he's at that age where, you know, first of all, no one's done this at his age. Okay. He's, he moved into the lead in the scoring race again after after last night's game. If he wins the scoring title, he'd be the oldest scoring champ ever. <laughs> At 37 and a half years, Michael Jordan was 35 when he won his last one. I mean, this is, this is unprecedented. But he's at that age, and usually it's earlier than this, where you have a mastery of the game from a basketball IQ standpoint, but your body still works enough to be able to execute it. Right? They always say youth is wasted on the young. But sometimes there is that sweet spot with superstars where they really understand the game at a high level and their body still works enough. The fact that this is, he's doing this at age 37, man, he's in bonus. Did we lose Ramona? Oh, I, oh, I got you. Okay, yeah, we, lo- we lost you for a moment. Sorry, go on. Okay, yeah, sorry. The, um, no, but he's a, this is amazing that he's doing this at his age. And so – I, he had to recalibrate when they started losing so much. He had to do something different because if you're going to be out there playing and you're going to be able to give it and your team's not winning and you're not what you want it to be, you got to find something else to play for. And I think he's just focusing on love of the game and, and mastering what he can do out there on the court. I mean, wouldn't you be feeling pretty good if you were 37 and still playing like that? Oh, no doubt, Ramona. No doubt, Ramona. But the only yes. thing I will say is that LeBron James not being worried about a narrative when once upon a time he said he was chasing ghosts doesn't necessarily sit well with me. I don't know how much I believe that, especially as now I'm a, I'm a Lakers fan, so it's hard for me to be uh, objective you about this what? situation. It's a good point. It's a good point. And I also think when you, we say narrative, okay, he just, he just cares about a different narrative, okay? And the different narrative is being the oldest scoring champ, being the NBA's all-time leading scorer. Um, this reminds me a bit of his last year in Cleveland when they didn't really have a squad, but he played all, every single game. 
yep. every single game in the regular season, every single game in the playoffs. And he's like, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna earn my money. And that's the one thing I've always been able to say about LeBron, like this idea of like, you know, a lot of a lot of guys rest. He don't rest. He's not just managed, you know, load management or anything. That guy plays. And so I think that's something. That's another. What do you want to call it? Narrative or legacy or whatever it is. That's LeBron. He always shows up. I think that's part of how you remember a guy, too. Talking with ESPN NBA reporter Ramona Shelburne on ESPN Radio. And, Ramona, we got the news that Ben Simmons has a herniated disc in his back and that there doesn't seem to be a timeline for his return to play, although head coach for the Brooklyn Nets, Steve Nash, did seem optimistic about seeing Ben Simmons at some point this season. Realistically, from your perspective, will we see Ben Simmons this season and ballpark it on when that will actually be? Uh, realistically, as somebody who has had a herniated disc and went through surgery and all that, uh, my, my answer is no. Okay. <laughs> I don't all think right. so. All okay. Right. Now, I checked on this this morning because I saw Nasty's comments. I mean, Adrian Wojnarowski and I reported on this last week about, they, you know, when we heard it, I heard it was a slightly herniated disc. Um, and if you remember, he's had this back injury a few times over the years. In February of 2020, he had this back injury. And at the time, there was a sense like he was not going to make it back for the playoffs. Well, then we had the COVID interruption and four months went by and he did make it back to play in the bubble. But this back injury has been there and it just flares up on him. Now, when I, when I it's herniated this, you hear slightly herniated. I don't know, you know, to me, if it's herniated, what that means is there's a ligament that holds you just in place. Okay. I'm going to do a little doctor for you. Okay. Break this down for you. When you have a bulging disc, that ligament is still intact. That means it's, it may be bulging, but it's still not torn or anything. If you have a slight herniation, that means there's a little tear in that ligament. Now, you can manage that. You do core strength. You do epidurals, make some of the inflammation go down. The good news for Ben Simmons is that, from what I hear, he is, there's no pain down his leg. Now, what does that mean? When you have a herniated disc, if it presses on that spinal nerve, that's when you get sciatica. That's when you get pain down your leg. That's when you get weakness down your leg. Um, that is much more concerning. But from what I'm told, he doesn't have pain down the leg. So this is just a flare-up that he had a couple weeks ago. They have to manage it. They have to get it to calm down. And he can continue to play through it if it stays at the level it is. But how do you get it to calm down in this amount of time? And somebody I talked to this morning said, you know, we're, we're just running out of time. I mean, they're, you're, in terms of their – they're up against the wall in terms of timing because when he has to he has to rest it, then he has to ramp back up. That takes some time, and especially with a back injury. You don't want to rush that. Ramona, I'm over here grabbing my back as I'm listening to you talk yeah. because it, <laughs> this conversation is hurting. I guess that's when you know you're getting old is when hearing about somebody else's back <laughs> hurts your own, right? Yep. Ramona Shelbourne, thanks so much for joining us. <laughs> you got it. Coming up next, have you ever embarrassed your friend on the playing field, on the court, or on the ice? Chris Canty will share his story next. This is ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. LeBron put up a monster performance last night with his former team in Cleveland, and then he made a fool out of his BFF in Kevin Love because he posterized Kevin Love, Chris Canty. It's one of those kinds of dunks that goes viral, and apparently things were all good afterwards. They were tweeting each other, and so I guess 
it's all kumbaya at the end. But it was so funny to watch. Like, before the game, they're all hugging, dapping each other up, and then they go out there, and then LeBron absolutely posterizes Kevin Love. Have you ever done one of your boys dirty like that? Well, first of all, Amber, let me say this. We're we not going to be all good after you dunk on me the way that LeBron dunked on Kevin Love. Now, this must be a basketball thing, but in football, if you embarrass me and we're supposed to be boys – there's going to be some get back. There is absolutely going to be some retribution, and it's going to happen in that game. And, Amber, I will say, as one coach once told me, sometimes you got to sacrifice a play to prove a point. And that certainly would have been the case after a former teammate of mine decides he's going to take matters into his own hands the way that LeBron did Kevin Love last night. But as far as my personal story goes, let me put you in the way back time machine. Let's go back to October of 2012. When, as a member of the New York Giants, I went back to my former team, the Dallas Cowboys, and their quarterback was one Tony Romo. And, of course, when you're in practice and you guys are teammates, you can't hit the quarterback. But this was my opportunity to have a chance to get at it, Tony, and I didn't miss my chance. In that game, I had a sack and a half, I think five or six quarterback hits, you know, multiple pressures on the quarterback. But there was one instance where I hit Tony Romo helmet to helmet. And the refs threw the flag, and I said, money well spent. Now, I think the refs ended up picking up the flag, but I still got fined $15,000. But I remember in real time in that moment making a decision, I'm going to knock the hell out of Tony Romo, and I don't care if it costs me a fine. I don't care if I get a FedEx envelope in my locker on that Tuesday because you know what? I wanted to sacrifice that play to prove a point, that I was there to beat the hell out of him and the Dallas Cowboys they let me walk in free agency, and I wanted to make them pay, and that was the moment that I took to exact my revenge. Now, forget about the fact that I won a Super Bowl the year before. We don't have to, oh, we don't have to even that. talk about forget that. About that. that you know, there, there, is that, there is that piece of forget it. But, but just to have an actual opportunity to inflict maximum pain on Tony Romo, oh, it was great. Like I said, fifteen grand, money well spent. Imagine making so much that fifteen grand is money well spent. That's probably what a lot of our listeners are thinking right now. That is the most football of all football-y type stories. Poor Tony Romo. ESPN Radio. Mel Kuyper has been mocking once again. This is ESPN Radio with Amber Wilson and Chris Canty. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save over $700 on average. So we already know that Chris Canty's all worked up about Mel Kuyper's most recent mock draft because he hates the idea of a safety going number two, which I feel Did like I say I hate it, Amber? Did I say I hate the idea you, of a safety going hate, number two? Hate. Hate. Your word's stronger than hate. Hate. Hate add a couple of extra T's at H. the yeah, add capital H and add a couple of extra T's in there. Yeah. Now he H. has some other notable things in here as well. He does not, Chris, have a quarterback going until 18th is the first quarterback coming off the board. That's Kenny Pickett. Okay, it's to the New Orleans Saints. Apparently, they're not concerned about the size of his hands. The Saints take Kenny Pickett here. First of all, let's start with this, the fact that he doesn't have a quarterback go until 18. Do you think that's realistic? I know with this draft, we're not talking about a quarterback-heavy draft, but 18, that's late for that position. No doubt about it. Mel Kuyper must be using too much hairspray to keep that perfectly quaffed (laughs) hair in place because it's starting to seep into his brain. 
there's no way that we don't see a quarterback taken earlier in this draft. And we've seen it before, Amber. Even in weak quarterback drafts, quarterbacks tend to get pushed up. Going back to 2017, that was supposed to be a weak quarterback draft. Quarterbacks got pushed up. Even 2019, it was supposed to be a weak quarterback draft. Quarterback got pushed up. Kyler Murray went number one. Daniel Jones went sixth overall. Dwayne Haskins went 15th. Quarterbacks always get pushed up. So I wouldn't be surprised that one of these quarterback needy teams in the top half of the first round decides that they're going to position themselves in order to take a stab at Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis. Those seem to be the top two prospects at the quarterback position this year, and Kenny Pickett had his pro day on Monday. And then, of course, Malik Willis's pro day is today. So decision makers around the National Football League have been focused on being able to break down tape of those guys and actually see what those players are bringing to the table. But Mel Kuyper is outside of his mind if he doesn't think a quarterback is going before the 18th overall pick. Obviously, there's an opportunity for a team to trade up. You mentioned that there's multiple teams in need of a quarterback drafting already slotted well before 18. I also hate this pick, frankly, from a New Orleans Saints perspective, just because I think that there's a lot of other positions that they could address at 18, and they did re-sign Jameis. And I know that Jameis, we don't know what he's going to look like coming off of that ACL, but he looked pretty darn good for the short period of time that we saw him as a starting quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. And Jameis is only 28 years old. They didn't commit themselves to Jameis long-term here, Chris, but is outlandish to think that if Jameis ends up looking good, he could actually be the quarterback for them? He certainly certainly young enough, and we are obviously talking about a top pick coming out of the draft back in his day. Yeah, I mean, it's a two-year deal, but what it is is a one-year prove-it situation, and and that's what Jameis is walking into. Now, a couple of things that you glossed over there, Jameis Winston coming off a reconstructive knee surgery, that's a big deal. Like, players usually aren't themselves until the second year removed from having that surgery, so that's number one. Second thing is, Sean Payton's no longer there. So we did see probably the best version of Jameis Winston that we've seen in the NFL in the sample size that we got early on in the regular season in 2021. But there's no guarantee that we're going to get that under Dennis Allen with not having Sean Payton there on the sideline, not having Payton sequence the plays, not having Payton be in Jameis Winston's ear. I don't know if that necessarily leads to a better Jameis Winston than what we got last season. So I'm not opposed to the New Orleans Saints taking a quarterback, uh, and I'm not opposed to them going in the direction of Kenny Pickett just because he's played the most football of any of the quarterbacks coming out of this year's draft. He's probably the most pro-ready. He's got the highest floor. I also think he has one of the lower ceilings, and so that that's, to me, what's interesting about this particular player. Where do you value him, and where does he slide in in the first round? Because I, I'm with you. I think that there are certain limitations that Kenny Pickett has, but he's shown the ability to be able to play within himself and to produce at a really high level. So I, I can't knock the kid for that. I, I, it's not just about being able to have the measurables. It's can you be a good football player, and Kenny Pickett has shown he can be a good football player. Although, if I'm the Saints, I'm probably not taking a quarterback in this draft. If you do want them to take one like Chris Canty does, then you're talking about 18 being a bit of a waiting game. By the way, the Steelers, Mel Kuyper has, is taking the second uh, quarterback in this draft at Malik Willis. Now, 20 to me, though, seems like a long time to wait for even a second quarterback, Chris Canty. Is there a situation? Because I, I very much think the Steelers should draft a quarterback in this draft, even if it is a you know weaker quarterback draft, so to speak. But is waiting until 20 a good idea, or could you see the Steelers trading up? 
Well, a couple of things here, Amber. Number one, I think Malik Willis is going to go ahead of Kenny Pickett. And the reason why is because there are more dominant physical traits there. If I'm looking at all of these quarterbacks and recognizing that they're, they're, they're projects, they're going to take some time to develop, I'm going to go with the guy that has a hose for an arm. And that's what we saw from Malik Willis at his pro day today. We also saw it at the Combine um, earlier uh, in the month. So I, I would roll with Malik Willis. I like the movement skills. I think he's where the NFL is going in terms of the attributes that you need in order to have successful quarterback play. So I, I like Malik Willis's game. And I, if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers and this is the guy that you're targeting, you're going to have to move up from number 20 in order to get your hands on him. I, I do like the idea of them taking a quarterback because Trubisky is a bridge. Let's be honest about it. Trubisky is a guy that didn't work out in Chicago. He rubbed elbows with Josh Allen for a year in Buffalo, and now all of a sudden we're led to believe that this is supposed to be a long-term answer for the Steelers. It's not. And the contract that the Steelers gave Trubisky reflects that. So I still think they're in the quarterback marketplace, but I think they're looking at younger options in the draft. And Malik Willis certainly seems like a guy that's front and center. Another thing to keep in mind, Amber, Mike Tomlin is on the record saying that he wants a quarterback that has the ability to use his legs and extend the down. So seeing them go Trubisky in free agency is not really a surprise. But in the terms of the guy that they would draft, it's going to have to be a quarterback that can use his legs for second reaction plays, get out on the edge of defense, put pressure on him that way, give receivers time to uncover downfield. Malik Willis has that in spades. So I absolutely love the the marriage that could potentially be there between the Steelers and Malik Willis. I just know it's not going to happen at number 20. And I could see a team falling in love with Malik Willis and deciding to draft him somewhere in the top 10. And maybe that's why the Steelers will have to move up if that is their guy. They did take a flyer on Trubisky. Atlanta took a flyer on Marcus Mariota. They still probably need a long-term solution at that position as well. But Mel Kuyper has Atlanta drafting Garrett Wilson, who's Ohio State wide receiver. I actually like them using their eighth pick to draft a wide out because I think that is by far the most pressing need for Atlanta. And if Mariota fills that hole for them right now at quarterback, then maybe you wait to address that position one more season. Amber, can Marcus Mariota stay healthy? I guess I don't that's, know the my, that's that. my biggest question. Has he stayed healthy throughout the course of his career? I mean, that, that would be my biggest concern. Marcus Mariota hasn't played all 16 or now 17 games in the regular season at any point in his NFL career. So is that something that I can bank on long-term? Probably not. Um, is that is that somebody that I view as my long-term answer? Probably not. I think Mariota's a bridge, but I'm with you. I don't think that the Atlanta Falcons actually have to address the quarterback position this year, especially if they don't love a guy. I think they're going to be in a tankathon in 2022, and they're playing for the 2023 quarterback draft, which is supposed to be a much stronger class. Yeah, this is a better receiver draft. Address that position. Even Mariota needs somebody to throw the football to outside of the tight end position. Coming up next, more Baker Mayfield talk.